Yeah, 12 minutes it is after 7 p.m. We do things a bit differently tonight. Uh, we don't start off out in the markets. Of course, South African markets closed today, uh, but markets the world over open and scarcity. Uh, just take a look at uh, the latest uh, coming out of uh, the lives of uh, working people. And uh, yeah, the big piece, certainly piece of news that's come out in the last 24 hours was that um, contestation between many workers, both in uh, the mining sector, in particular Sabanya Stillwater, uh, where we saw members from Kloof uh, or from the Kloof region of the National Union of Mine Workers and some of the counterparts in Amku, uh, saying, uh, look, we want you, President, and as our former General Secretary, to go out and go and uh, yeah, speak uh, to O'Neill Froneman, who are seemingly intransigent, who are seemingly expressing, um, you know, a certain form of krachtadigheid or whatever. Uh, but, uh, you know, go and speak to them uh, and see if we can't get uh, what we have gotten out at Harmony for some of our members, but also which is that uh, 1,000 rand increase, uh, which Simania Stillwater is saying uh, is unaffordable for them. Uh, we also did later see, of course, uh, which I guess led to his ultimate departure from the Royal Bafugang Stadium, uh, then uh, things escalating insofar as public sector workers are concerned. I mean, how members of Sadu, uh, members of Pop Crew, uh, many of those, of course, who have been on the receiving end of that uh, unmet third year of the collective agreement of 2018. And those are some of the issues, uh, of course, that would have given rise uh, to uh, uh, the president there being unceremoniously ejected. Maybe that's the English unceremoniously ejected. People are saying, yeah, well, you know, he was uh, uh, prompted to leave. No. There was an unceremonious ejection of him as somebody who would have addressed workers and uh, given a message of support from uh, the Alliance uh, a partner, the African National Congress. Um, and so in many ways, I guess we also asked today, was that a rejection uh, of uh, uh, the... Um, I guess, activity and actions of some officials of the African National Congress on the part of many workers, and uh, these are not inconsequential. I mean, think about Nehau in the broader politics of Kosatu, uh, the numbers they bring to bear. Think of NUM as uh, one of the still largest, I guess, industrial uh, or you know, private sector unions within Kosatu. Uh, and uh, the president's own former union. So we'll try and make sense of this tonight, and we'd love to hear from you as well. Drop us your voice notes on WhatsApp, 79 And uh, yeah, let's keep those voice notes uh, short, sweet, and also share with us your reflections of what you made of uh, what came out. I mean, Monday, so that I can share and reflect uh, on uh, what this means for the, not only, I guess, the labor movement, but uh, for the broader alliance as well. But uh, to help us make sense of all of these things tonight, joined on the line, former GS of uh, FAU uh, and uh, social justice commentator and analyst, Katishi Masemola. Uh, Comrade Katishi, good evening and welcome. Uh, greetings to you, Ayabonga, and greetings to the listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you make? I mean, you, you certainly have been in the labor movement for many decades, uh, and many of those decades spent within the the, the Federation Kosatu, uh, which is in alliance with the South African Communist Party and the African National Congress. Yesterday, probably not the first time, of course, uh, leaders of the ANC have received a cold reception from workers. Uh, but in many ways, yesterday significant for, for many reasons. What do you make of it? Well, uh, the, you know, that uh, the incidents uh, 
it's informed by two or three factors, really. Mm. Uh, underlying that, uh, it's uh, your mind workers being uh, frustrated by, uh, call it, intransigence on the part of steel water and other mining houses in offering the mine workers a better deal. Mm. Uh, and noting that uh, the president of the ANC, the former general secretary of the National Union of Mine Workers, uh, it was not far-fetched for him to receive such a, you know, rather reception from, you know, from the workers. But also, as you correctly stated uh, in your preface, uh, you know, the public sector workers remains aggrieved by the unmet uh, bargaining agreement that was reached with the state uh, and the president of the ANC, being the president of the country, mm. is the face of such uh, unmet, uh, you know, demand that we well, unmet agreement that was reached uh, with public sector unions. So we saw those uh, frustrations uh, finding expression in the way that uh, the hostile perception that the president uh, of the country received from from workers. And these workers, uh, I must add, uh, from the video clips, you could see that uh, some of them are actually uh, eloquent in their articulation. So they could be branch leaders, mm. they could be middle-level uh, leaders of workers, uh, even though they are national leadership or uh, national leaderships of their unions may not have uh, approved of their actions. But it's a reflection that there's a growing resentment among the ranks and files, including junior level leadership of these unions, about those two well, about those two factors really. And and I guess you know when you look at it in that context, um, it does raise one, I guess, the relevance, but also two, the suitability for the interests of workers of being in alliance with the governing party. I think a lot of people. Uh, you know, if you think about when the disruptions happened, even in the program, uh, it was after the president of Kosato had spoken, Zingiswalosi, uh, and just prior to the general secretary of the South African Communist Party speaking, um, and of course, ultimately, the, the president of the ANC, uh, Sir Ramaphosa, speaking as well. Um, and it makes one wonder, I guess, what workers are saying insofar as their participation in the alliance is concerned. What brings it together? I mean, maybe when you guys came together to work on the alliance in the early 90s or late 80s, it was around particular things. But what would you say now in 2022 remains the programmatic basis of that alliance? Well, uh, you know, the issue of the alliance uh, remains a very thorny issue. Uh, I can tell you now that uh, uh, the leadership of COSATU, the leadership of the Communist Party, uh, remains convinced that the alliance uh, uh, is you know, the only viable vehicle uh, to use uh, in taking forward, if you like, uh, the working class struggle. Uh, As to whether that observation remains accurate, I think it's a matter of debate. But to answer you, uh, Ayabong, I think personally uh, time is arrived where, uh, you know, the alliance with uh, the ruling party uh, by both the Communist Party, by COSATU, or by other, you know, trade union uh, federations 
would need to be relooked in, you know, as a matter of, uh, if you like, uh, material conditions obtaining right now in 2022. Uh, and I must say that uh, the policy direction that the government is pursuing is also informing some of the resentment that we are seeing. Now, if, you know, uh, Kusatu and certainly other labor federation comes together and decides to form a super federation, a bigger federation, not necessarily an anti-ANC kind of a federation, but a federation that is non-aligned to the ANC, uh, acting in the best interest of uh, of workers, is I think is a, it's something that uh, uh, is becoming a, a reality uh, very soon. It will it will happen. Maybe uh, Katishi, you might want to expand on that because one of the reasons why I find what you just said very interesting, this notion of a super alliance. And I guess, uh, you know, a reintegration into whatever alliance of all of those who might have left, uh, you know, Kosato uh, at some stage, including the trade union that uh, you led as uh, General Secretary Fau. Um, I mean, what do you make of the appearance of AMCU members as well at an ostensibly NUM rally? I mean, if, if I was speaking to you in 2013, I don't think I would have even thought of the prospect of seeing members of AMCU and the NUM, especially after what happened in Marikana, coming together in the fashion that we saw yesterday. Yeah, you know, there is, uh, uh, in the labor movement, or amongst the rank and file members of unions and amongst the workers generally, there tends to be a strong affection to unity if they particularly face a, what they would consider a common enemy, whether it's the mining houses, whether it's unfriendly ANC government, Workers tend to gravitate into unity, unity in ways and unity in action. And uh, for AMCU and members of uh, NUM to be seen, to be talking the same language, it's a strong message that indeed uh, they, um, you know, uh, they are very uh, concerned about uh, the positions of mining houses mm. uh, on bargaining matters, but also they are concerned about the policy posture of the ruling party of government. Mm, mm. Now, I think the other mm. dynamic to this that I'm quite interested in exploring, uh, or for us to explore, is what structurally has also changed in many of the sectors within which the workers who expressed discontent yesterday work in. So if I take mining, for instance, um, mm. there were many, many mm. people who were employed in mining, Um, you know, around, I guess, the early 90s, probably a lot more than what we have at the moment, uh, which I understand is just hovering around half a million or so uh, people employed in the sector. Um, And all of the changes that have happened there, concentration, consolidation, as Sibanya has become a massive player, you know, in in a very small period of time. And then if we extend the same analysis to government, uh, which has effectively become the largest employer now, uh, and also, I guess, the role of government workers in the balance of power in Kosato, where you know it's no longer really a typical industrial federation, but now uh, largely composed of those who work in the public service. How does that complicate the politics that we saw on display yesterday? Well, uh, it's, uh, what I think was uh, more interesting was to see uh, members of NUM 
uh, and for two reasons, members of NUM beginning to express this resentment. One, uh, because uh, the former president, I mean, the former general secretary of NUM is the current president who receives a hostile treatment. Forget that it is, you know, for the first time, if not the first time in a long time that an ANC president receives such a hostile, mm. explicitly hostile reception. So that is a significant um, issue to take note of. But secondly, because of this unity in action between these uh, two unions in the mining sector, what you begin to see is a you know, uh, an, an interesting emerging trend where workers believe they can set aside their differences and unite in, you know, in confronting what they perceive to be uh, their enemy. So that's the one category of factors to, to take note of. Mm. And secondly, secondly, it's because the strength of your private sector-based unions has been declining, and the rise of the influence of public sector unions within COSATU has been rising. Uh, but again, you know, uh, with this unmet bargaining agreement, you see these uh, public sector unions beginning to express, uh, and I'm saying the rank and file here, the junior leaders of these uh, public sector unions beginning to express in the way they did uh, with their hostile reception to the president of the ANC, their resentment about the policies, the unmet bargaining agreement, mm. and other things that uh, they consider uh, our government not to be workers-friendly. Mm. These two sets of dynamics really are going to shape uh, the way the relationship of COSATU and the ANC is going to... Uh, take root, they are going to shape how that relationship will continue or how it should continue uh, going forward. And and I guess, you know, this also raises another dynamic, which is, you know, if, if you take a look at uh, some of the issues that the NUM is raising, not only just around this issue of wages, but even the, what I, many would argue is the class character of uh, the just energy transition we're talking about big part of, you know, the government going and raising money overseas and in other places, uh, you know, for uh, green funding or green financing of uh, that transition um, is what workers are saying is happening without them being consulted about what implications that is going to have for them. How big an issue is that currently? And I guess um, ostensibly how big an issue is it going to become? You know, the issue of uh, just transition, uh, it's going to be a very big issue. Uh, and that's why you have some, uh, well, it's a, it's a very polarized debate currently in society. Mm. Uh, those who believe that our country uh, is not yet ready for such a just transition uh, do not buy this uh, commitment to the Glasgow Agreement, uh, Paris climate deal before, uh, that we should, uh, you know, move away from mining, for instance, as part of the agenda for just transition. Uh, Because of uh, their worries about jobs, their worries about uh, other implications that 
uh, goes with shutting down the coal uh, subsects of the mining industry. I personally share a view that says the 131 billion rand uh, in soft loans and in grants that was promised at, at Glasgow, uh, it's, 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 uh, you know, it's not good enough. If you look at, from a cost-benefit analysis, what would be the, you know, cost for shutting down the coal uh, subsect of the mining industry? You're talking, you know, close to 80,000 jobs or even slightly more mm. that are at stake there. You're talking of um, uh, switching off the supply to Midupian Kusile power stations that have been built by twice the amount of those of the 131 uh, billion rands that the states have been offered in loans, soft loans, they call them, and in grants. You're talking of a whole suit of things that uh, will cost this economy dearly and would have dire consequences for socioeconomic conditions. So the argument is that, you know what, there will be jobs coming from the energy intensive, sorry, the green energy intensive mm. alternatives, it's a debate that must still continue. Now, if trade unions and workers are not part of, and I mean meaningful engagement of this issue, you are likely going to see resistance coming from uh, that angle. Mm. Mm. Now, now, many of these organizations are, are going to conference this year. Um, and I must say, one of the notable things one would have seen when the president was addressing the workers from the Norm from Kluf, um, was what seemingly was their very cold attitude towards the president of the federation. Um, and uh, even the president saying, look, I'm not going to uh, allow you to receive the president of Kosatu in the manner that uh, I've seen you receive her. Um, and, and I'm quite interested in what, what you read into that in the context of the fact that there will be major convenings of the Federation this year, uh, convenings of the South African Communist Party as well, and even later on, I guess, uh, the ANC towards the end of the year? Well, it's, it's difficult to, to, to read, uh, you know, clearly what the message is from that incident or from the reception that uh, was given to the president of Kosato mm. uh, for two reasons, really. One is because uh, some of those who are part, who were part of uh, the May Day uh, activity, uh, may not necessarily belong to Kosatu so, ranks such so. as Amku, uh, but also that uh, uh, the reception that was received by the Kosatu president may really have been expressed, uh, uh, you know, by and large by your ordinary workers or rank-and-file members of the Federation. So when it goes to Kostatu National Congress, the dynamics might change a mm. bit. So I, I, I wouldn't read the incident really as a vote of no confidence. Or rather, let me rephrase. I wouldn't read the incident as a barometer sure. uh, to predict that... Uh, Venezuela uh, will face a stiff opposition or even uh, may not be re-elected into that position. That mm. may not be an, you know, an adequate uh, measuring instrument to use this incident. 
There are two other dynamics, which I think for me are also of interest, Comrade uh, uh, Katisha, and I want us to, to unpack them. The one is we see continuously with uh, whatever information and data often comes out of Stats SA, the ILO and others, that there's an increase in South Africa uh, in the post-apartheid period in the number of workers who are working in places where em- employers unilaterally determine conditions of work. So that's the one. Uh, where an employer is saying, I'm going to pay you X amount, these are the conditions under which you are going to work, and you have no say in that. The second element is, of course, this declining trade union density in the private sector. Um, And if you take these two issues and you add to them, I guess, uh, the contestations around uh, the role of immigrants in the labor market, um, some might sit back and say, well, you know, why are we making a big fuss? over COSATU rejecting the president in that way or even you know, trade unions within COSATU rejecting the president in that way when, for all intents and purposes, trade unions are declining in influence in workplaces, especially in the private sector, and increasingly the bosses hold a lot of sway. It's true. And, uh, you know, uh, I think it's about time, in fact, that uh, the trade union movement sits back, uh, do what is called... Um, you know, uh, uh, self-reflection, uh, uh, look at its strengths and weaknesses and beginning to and begin to craft what you might call organizational renewal and uh, building organizations that must organize workers in 2022 uh, because it's not as the same terrain that used to obtain in the 80s and in the 90s. So that's a major thing that uh, trade unions, particularly, in fact, almost exclusively, uh, unions that are in the private sector should begin to look at. Yes, it is true that uh, the declining uh, union density Mm. in the private sector uh, is a major concern. In fact, uh, there are figures that are bandied around, some suggesting that up to 75% or between 75 and 80% of workers uh, remain non-unionized or remain unorganized. Uh, It's a a small number of workers to be organized into unions that will constitute anything between 20 and 25%. What about the 75 to 80 percent of workers that are not organized? Mm. So that's a, that's, a, that's a major issue for trade union movements to do, if you like, self-reflection on in the in in 20 in 2022. You know, yeah. uh, but again, you know, the changing nature of the terrain uh, for workers to organize uh, and the changing nature of uh, of of the job. Uh, what we call atypical forms of employment. Uh, It's something that uh, is rising, and it's something that uh, trade unions must grapple with. Uh, You know, in the past, uh, you get a massive factory. It's easy to go there, wait at the factory gate and organize. Uh, But now it's Mm. difficult to organize uh, workers because of this atypical forms of employment, you know, this unusual way uh, of employment uh, contracts that employers reach with with workers. Yes, I agree also that uh, private sector employers have gained power mm. uh, and they are using uh, 
again, you know, uh, as part of their uh, harnessing bargaining power, they are using the surplus, or if you like, uh, the ability of migrant workers uh, to work for next to nothing, mm. for migrant workers to work under conditions that uh, make it easier for them to be fired, and, and then, of course, the flip side uh, to make it easier for them to be to be hired under terrible uh, working conditions. So, yes, the migrant workers, uh, workers uh, by foreign nationals, in the agriculture, in fast food outlets and restaurants, uh, and in other sectors, uh, it's going to be uh, an important issue for trade unions to look at. And look at, from my suggestion, not only being anti-foreign nationals, but Mm. look at this issue as part of organizing these vulnerable workers, even if they are coming from outside of the country. Mm. Now, I mean, I guess just the last one before we we let you go to the point you're raising. Um, and we've seen this across many sectors. I mean, the agricultural sector might be one of interest uh, because it's quite close to where, you know, you would have organized. Um, this use of immigrant labor in many cases for seasonal work. And even when I say because of the history we come from, workers drawn in from underdeveloped parts in the former homelands. Um, as a big part of how South African uh, agriculture and South African capitalism operates. What do you make of that? I mean, we've seen, you know, uh, cases of arson, running battles between community members and the police in the citrus-growing belt of the country, uh, which is just showing us how absent, I guess, you know, trade unions have been in that space. Uh, You know, we heard of Sankor, for that matter, working and organizing uh, some of those workers or those workers and communities using that as a vehicle uh, uh, from which, I guess, to engage both employers and the government. Um, do you anticipate that we'll see more of that? I mean, even at Sabanye, you heard the community saying, we want jobs in this space, but we also want uh, to get some tangible benefit and value from the mining operations that uh, exist alongside us. And uh, if you look at how much money comes out of there and you look at Intlalwe Abandu in, th- in those places, what do we make of that? And is there scope for community and worker collaboration and, uh, I guess, uh, common platforms of struggle going forward? Absolutely. In fact, uh, there is going to be, and this is part of the organizational renewal uh, that I'm speaking about when it comes to uh, self-reflection by trade unions, they must begin to form alliances with communities. So worker community you know, alliances are going to prove important, mm. particularly for the mining sector, because uh, the mining operations are expected uh, to plow back or to invest in uplifting socioeconomic conditions of communities in which these mines operate. So such an alliance becomes crucial. But also, you know, to make sure that the uh, uh, unemployed uh, workers are not being used by mining houses or by agricultural uh, enterprises to suppress uh, the wages and the, to frustrate the struggles of workers that happen to be employed. So such an alliance, therefore, becomes crucial mm. between uh, trade unions as well as communities. 
Katishi, we're going to have to leave it there, brother. It's always a pleasure catching up with you and uh, thank you very much uh, for taking time out to speak to us. And uh, yeah, I guess uh, this renewal you speak of uh, of the labor movement uh, is something we're going to pick up in the next hour where we're going to be talking uh, to vulnerable workers. But I want to thank you for making time out to speak to us uh, this evening. It is a pleasure and thanks for inviting me. Uh, that there is... Uh, Katishi Masemola, he's a former General Secretary of uh, the Food and Allied Workers Union, FAU, uh, and uh, a commentator and uh, a consultant on labor matters uh, at this stage. And uh, would love to hear some of your thoughts. Uh, do reach out to us with your voice notes there. What do you make of what significant or whatever essence, I guess, we might draw from uh, the um, anger, the impatience, uh, rightfully so, I guess justifiably so, uh, but also the concern that many workers were raising to say, but you were the same people who were sitting alongside us in a court battle to make sure that what we had agreed to, what we had all signed to in 2018, is now something that you are reneging from. And I, I don't know, I think we, we, we have to interrogate with the necessary rigor, depth and sophistication that it needs. This.